0: I assume during the Christmas season you expect to get Christmas messages. Uh, These guys both this morning shared Old Testament prophecies, and I intend to take that a bit further. Um, There are times when, you know, I'm watching how things go in a service, and I'm getting twitchy when these guys are sharing a little bit where I'm going, and and yet at the same time, there's an awareness: okay, the Lord is bringing this to us to enjoy and revel in, and and uh, what I want to do is, is paint the importance of what prophecy is for us. It's very unusual for a people group even to keep written records that extend over hundreds of years. How many of you, uh, even with the current interest in genealogy, can go back even a hundred years and... Pull out family writings or um, histories. You know, it's it's just something that we're not used to as a people. In fact, when you look at our community, uh, I go downtown and I see 1880 something on the buildings, and I realize Marquette had a building boom during that era. But that's less than 150 years ago, and, and so even for a community. Uh, to be in place and have its roots 200 years, we're kind of going, that's a long time ago. When we start walking through prophecies that these people held and, and kept to themselves saying, there is a deliverer coming, there is a Messiah, an anointed one, when there's, there's a king that's going to reign in a way that we've never seen, they're holding on to these things hundreds and hundreds of years But then when you start piling them up, like, I'm going to read 20 different passages, okay? When you start putting those odds together, it's like saying, okay, out of this family group, uh, that's that's where this king's going to come from. But he's also going to have connections with this family here, and, and, you know, it's going to be out of this line. So it's starting to get more and more defined through the years, and as you look at that, you kind of go, well, that's, that's interesting. But then they also start giving, say, well, he's going to live in this village, and then he's going to appear to have come from that place. And he's also going to have, to have lived in that area for a while. And, you know, it's as if we're looking and saying, okay, Marquette's the hub of the county, but there's really none of those villages are attached to Marquette itself, and yet it's going to deeply affect our lives. To hold all of that for hundreds of years is astounding to me. And yet, when I look at that, I, I realize that's what happened with this people. But also, what that does is help me understand that um, Scripture has been delivered to us that if, with someone who controls the history or orchestrates the events of the nation's and of families, and of individuals. And so when I take that, then I go into my setting, and I'm going, I can have confidence that he's ruling over my life as well. I can have confidence, even though I don't understand all the events of the day, or the situations, or the the things that are going on around me, I have confidence that there is one who does know it all. And has his hand over my life. And, and that's a very satisfying and reassuring thing to me. That's I guess that's one of the things that I cling to when I'm looking at these different prophecies. I'm gonna go through them in biblical order, not necessarily historical order. Okay? Genesis chapter three. I put enmity between you and the woman. This is part of the curse, and it's being spoken to the serpent. Between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you, you will strike his heel. But this is also going, in a sense, to Satan, going, there's a conflict going on, he's going to crush your head. But it also speaks of it being a human being, right? Not Jesus coming as an angel. Not a supernatural being just in his, himself coming to earth, but there's a, there's a connection with humanity that's declared right from the very beginning. Some of these you're going to look at and say, well, I'm not sure I see that. Let's just go on. The cumulative effect is fairly impressive. When he calls out Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he makes this declaration roughly 1,800 years before Christ. Okay. Through you, all peoples on earth will be blessed. So he's making a covenant declaration over Abraham and saying, Connected to your family line is a blessing that's going to encompass the entire world. How many other families have that spoken over them? How many hang on to a promise like that? Genesis 17. God says to Abraham, your wife Sarah will bear you a son. You'll call him Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Okay, Abraham, if you remember right, has eight sons. Remember he had the two, and then later on, after his wife Sarah died, he has six more. Attached to his life is the declaration this this promise, it's through your son Isaac. So again, you know, odds one and eight. Okay, here's the one. So again, this family's gonna have to keep record of this. But it's not just Abraham, it's not just one of his sons, it's a specific son, Isaac. Genesis 17. Ah, we just did that, excuse me. Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Jacob is prophesying over his sons, and he makes a declaration about Judah, not the oldest son, but Judah. And says the ruler's authority is not going to depart from this one. So Jesus has to come through that family line. Again, 12 sons. One is selected. So you already had the eight sons. Now you're into a family of 12 sons, and he's picking one. Again, these kind of odds being narrowed down in a family hanging on to these promises. It's pretty significant. Let's go on to Numbers. Um, This was made by Balaam, a man who was not attached to Israel. He had been brought in to curse him, and he just realizes, I can't. I only can declare what's given to me. He says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, or excuse me, A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And he's just making this declaration that there's one coming that's going to have authority. Okay, let's go on to 2 Samuel. And David, when your days are over, you'll rest with your fathers. I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you. Who will come from your own body. He will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So again, this family line is getting narrowed down. David has at least 19 sons listed in Scripture. But he he starts to define who this is coming through. Psalm chapter 2. I'll proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. So God is claiming a connection with this family as well. When we talk about Jesus coming as a child of God and a child of man, son of God, you know, that's strange to think about. And, And for most of us, we've puzzled, well, how could that be? And yet, a thousand years beforehand, there's this declaration that somehow this is going to be intertwined. Again, to hang on to these things that long, but to pull all this together is astounding to me. Psalm 45, your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. So again, there's a declaration about a kingdom coming, but it's different than what's been known on earth. When it talks about justice being the, the the earmark of it, there's something to be declared about what is coming that's different than what people are used to. So again, an unusual declaration. Isaiah 7.14. The Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, God, with us. So, okay, this is one of the the, the stranger ones, isn't it? There's been some debate in recent years and saying, well, that term could be maiden. And yet, the idea of maiden in that sense is a young woman who has not had a relationship with a man. It's of a young girl. Culturally, would have been attached with the concept of virginity. So again, a virgin with child, they write it down and they hang on to it for hundreds of years because this is an, there's something unusual here they know it's from God they just don't know how it's going to be fulfilled Isaiah chapter 9 He will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan the people walking in darkness has seen a great light you know people thought he was a Galilean he'd lived in that region and yet they're going this is this is a gentile region what What good could come from that? You know, this family that's carried all these promises from Galilee, and yet they hang on to it. Chapter 9, For to us a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will reign on David's throne. So again, another declaration of this coming from David's descendants. Here's one that's unusual. Isaiah chapter 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Jesse was David's father, and as you know, the, the, king, the line of kings, you know, they, they, they were hauled off into captivity, and so they didn't have a kingdom to rule, and yet they kept track of that kingly line. So it was like it had been cut off, and then it says something's going to spring out of that. Now, another attachment to this idea is that the, the word Nasser uh, can mean branch. Maybe he was called a Naz, Nazarene. You know? And the, the idea of that day was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, it's a dumpy little town. It's Who knows what it's written from? But some will attach this idea of branch, which Nasser means. So it's like he's coming from West Branch. You know? no. <laughs> it also says in that same passage with justice he will give his decision. So again, it points to the idea of justice being a part of the kingdom. Isaiah 40: a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. I've, uh, I've sometimes wondered why the, the story of John was tossed in there with Jesus, you know, and given such preeminence, except that how many, how many leaders are announced by someone else? How many men make it their whole life to honor another? How many, you know, come and have great uh, public exposure and, you know, preeminence in the community? You're going, this is, this is somebody that everybody is aware of, and yet he's making the declaration and it's someone else. Isaiah saw it hundreds of years in advance, and he's making, calling it out. Jeremiah 23, the days are coming, declares the Lord, I'll raise up to David a, a righteous branch. Again, that idea coming out. Jeremiah 31. This is what the Lord says, A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. When you read the, the account of Bethlehem and how Herod goes in and wipes out the infants, again, pulling back something they've held all these years. Daniel chapter 2, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will itself endure forever. So this is not the kind of kingdoms that we're used to seeing. It's not just established landmass and a castle and all that. They, there was something in these people's understanding that went beyond what they had been participant in. Hosea chapter 11, when I, Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So again, this connection when they fled to Egypt and came back. Now, let's let's put that in this. If Jerusalem was the hub of their community, that's like Marquette being the hub of this county, right? So they're holding all of these prophecies in Marquette, you know, attached with the scripture and the temple and all of that. But they're making these declarations saying he's going to be born in West Branch, who in Jerusalem or who in Marquette's going to write about that? Then they're going to say he moves to Wisconsin for a time. You know, a cheese head will come out of... <laughs> going to be great for Marquette. And it's going to appear that he lives on the base. It's a Nazarene place no one respects, but it's all going to have significant impact for here in town. Most of us wouldn't write those things, much less hang on to them for hundreds of years. And then we start going through family lines, you know. He's a limita, second son. And the Hoppinens are involved, you know, 12th son. And, and you walk through the different family trees, and you kind of go, uh, that, that, is that possible? How many lematos live in West Branch? How many hopinans are connected with Egypt, Green Bay? It, it, it just, you know, you start pulling all that together, and, and you recognize that it just it doesn't apply to others. Micah 5.2, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. So when they point to this little town, they, you know, in what, the wise men we looked at there last week, they went to Jerusalem, said, where is he? You know, they assumed marching into the hub of the, the community, it's got to be here somewhere. And then they go to the, the priest, and the priest, well, well, from the Scripture, it says it's actually the little, you know, west branch. Doesn't make sense, but that's, that's what the prophet declared. Let's go to Malachi. I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way, and then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Now, if he had been born today, what temple would he go to? It's non-existent, isn't it? 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. So a few years after Jesus, <laughs> he can't get into the temple. It's not there. It hasn't been for several thousand years. So there's, that window just keeps closing, doesn't it? it gets tighter and tighter, more specific each time. One more. This is in regard to John the Baptist. I'll send to you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. John the Baptist in in every measure embodied who the Elijah had been. Very few people fit that role. Very few people fulfilled a ministry like that, yet John the Baptist, it was noted and, and declared, it's Elijah. This, who else could it be? This is... He, he fits 20 prophecies we just walked through. Now, if you're a mathematician, you know that those kind of odds are just astronomical. But to be re- written over hundreds of years by a variety of writers, kept by a people all that time, Held on to and cherished and acknowledged. Then, oh, what we have through Jesus. You know, I was, I was thinking even like with, you know, the Bethlehem massacre. What a horrific thing! And yet, Jesus suffered and died on the cross. He he understands suffering. He's not unaware. But he he walked through it all, and he he came according to God's plan, that you and I might have this confidence in our hope. Because we go, I'm a part of this kingdom because he has brought my salvation. He's washed away my sins. How can I know my sins are washed away? Well, if these other declarations that he made are true, and he makes this declaration, I have confidence in that as well. And he said that he would forgive me. He said that I can be at peace with God. He said that I might have a relationship with Him. And so I carry that with confidence saying, I have hundreds of years of fulfilled promise to rely on with confidence for today. Thank you, Lord. Stand with me, will you? We rejoice in you during this Christmas season. We acknowledge again with wonder you are the Savior of the world. And it is our great privilege to participate in your salvation and your kingdom. We long to see its fulfillment in all aspects. We long to have you return and establish your rule here on earth. We look forward to that day.